Well, today we continue our series from the Old Testament, and uh, we will have one book left, Malachi, that we'll look at next week. I have had several people ask me, well, when you finish with the Old Testament, are we going to move on into the New Testament? And I'm really not sure. I was praying about it last week, and I might, it, it seemed to me that, that I might be being led to go to the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Now, I preached a series through that 10, 12 years ago, but because of the time in which we live, and because it seems to me that many Christians really do not understand the Christian life, what it means to be a Christian, we might look at uh, the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So we'll, we'll see in the next, uh, next few weeks. But today we've come to the book of Zechariah. And before we get to our text, I want to put it within context for you so you understand historically where we were at the time of this book. Now, the Babylonians, which is modern-day Iraq, conquered Jerusalem, conquered the Hebrews. They destroyed the city. They destroyed Solomon's temple. And they took the very brightest young men captive, which included Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It was in 536 B.C. that Cyrus the Great, the king of Persia, which is modern-day Iran, defeated the Babylonians. When he came to power after defeating the Babylonians, then he allowed those Jews who wanted to return to their homeland to do so. About 50,000 of them went back home for the purpose of rebuilding the temple and the destroyed city of Jerusalem. In 535 B.C., they had laid the foundation of the temple. At that time, the Samaritans who wanted to be a part and were rejected went to the king and asked that the work be stopped. They said to the king, you can't trust these Jews. You must not allow them to regroup. And so the king listened to them, and the work then was stopped. In 520 B.C., God raised up Haggai and Zechariah to speak as prophets to the people of Israel. Now, their message is very simply this. Finish the work. Do the job that God has sent you to do. Now, it's interesting to me as I look at Zechariah because his name and his father's name and his grandfather's name, when all put together, are interesting. Zechariah, for instance, remember, uh, means Jehovah remembers. His father's name means Jehovah blesses. And his grandfather's name means his time. So you put them together, it is God remembers to bless in his time. Now, as we look at the book of Zechariah, it can be divided into three parts. The first six chapters are Zechariah's visions. And then in chapter 7, 8, and 9, there were some Jews who came to Zechariah, and they were saying, if Jerusalem is going to be restored, then why do we need to continue fasting? And then in chapters 10 through 14, we see God's victories over the Gentile nations. And at that point, Zechariah leaps into the last days. And there he portrays for us the battle of Armageddon. 
and Jesus Christ coming back and establishing his kingdom on earth. So those are the three divisions of the book. Now take your Bibles and turn with me to Zechariah chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1. In the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah the prophet, the son of Berechiah, the son of Ido, saying, The Lord was very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return to me, declares the Lord of hosts, that I may return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets proclaimed, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return now from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. But they did not listen or give heed to me, declares the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But did not my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, overtake your fathers? Then they repented and said, As the Lord of hosts purposed to do to us in accordance with our ways and our deeds, so he has dealt with us. Now, as we look at these verses and as we sort of quickly go through this book, it begins, the book begins with a call to repentance. Now, understand that the Babylonian exiles had been back in Jerusalem for about 18 years at this time. So they have returned to Jerusalem, been there for 18 years, and have laid the foundation of the temple. So the Lord then calls them to repent in verse number 2. The Lord was very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, Return to me, declares the Lord of hosts, that I may return to you, says the Lord of hosts. So he says that God is angry with your fathers. In the Hebrew language, that is extremely strong. It is literally angry with anger. God says, I am angry with anger at your fathers. Why? Why was the Lord so upset? Why was He angry with anger at their fathers? Because they had been back for 18 years and Jerusalem was still mostly in ruins. Because they had been back 18 years and the temple had only laid the foundation. They had done nothing. And as God looks at it, He says to them, I am angry with anger at your fathers. And then you see in verse number 4, Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets proclaimed, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return now from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. But they did not listen or give heed to me, declares the Lord. God says, don't be like your fathers. They didn't listen to me. And you see, here's the danger. Those had, who had returned are responding just like their fathers had responded. They responded selfishly. Turn back a page or two to Haggai chapter 1. Look at verse number 2. And this was written in the same time period. Thus says the Lord of hosts, This people says the time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate? You see what happened to them? 
They had come back for the purpose of rebuilding Jerusalem, rebuilding the temple, but they had done nothing. And they said, well, you know, we're going to do it eventually, but right now we have to build our own house. We're going to get around to the things of God later, but right now we still have to recover from being in captivity to the Babylonians. So we first of all have to take care of ourselves. And so they had responded selfishly and they had ignored the prophet's message. Isaiah had instructed in chapter 55 or 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Folks, that's good instruction for us. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him when he hears. But they had not done that. God had spoken to his people, but they had ignored what God had said. In Second Chronicles chapter 36, verses 15 and 16, the Bible says, And the Lord, the God of their fathers, sent word to them again and again by his messengers, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they continually mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people until there was no remedy. God spoke to them again and again and again, but they did not respond. God warned them again and again and again. And they ignored the message of God. So Zechariah then begins his book with a call to repentance. He says, return to the Lord. Don't be like your fathers who ignore the Word of God. Don't be like your fathers who ignore the things of God. He said, return to the Lord. So there is a call to repentance. Now, after he had warned them, then he shares with them his visions. And they are remarkable. Zechariah had visions of the coming Messiah. Now, you remember that after Adam and Eve sinned, the Lord promised that he was going to send a Messiah. That's in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 15. He said, I'm going to send a deliverer. I'm going to send a Messiah. I'm going to send a Savior to you. Well, Zechariah, by vision, saw the fulfillment of that promise. And so he reveals to us the Messiah who had been promised, first of all, as the branch. Look at chapter 3, verse number 8. Now, listen, Joshua, the high priest, you and your friends who are sitting in front of you. Indeed, they are men who are a symbol, for behold, I am going to bring in my servant, the branch. You see, the branch is a title for the Messiah. In Jeremiah chapter 23, verse number 5, the prophet wrote, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I shall raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. So he sees the Messiah as the branch. The branch is small, insignificant. That's the way Jesus came into the world. He was born in the little town of Bethlehem outside Jerusalem. He was surrounded by animals when he was born. He was born to poor parents. It was insignificant, his birth. And so he started out as a branch, but he grew into a great tree. 
And folks, today there are some two billion people in our world who refer to themselves as Christians out of the branch. He started out as a little branch that became a great tree. So he sees him by vision as the branch. And then he sees him as the stone. Chapter 3, verse number 9. For behold, the stone that I have set before Joshua, on one stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave an inscription on it, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. Now, you are familiar with the concept that Jesus is a stone. He is the cornerstone. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 20, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. William Barclay commented, Of the whole church, the cornerstone is Christ. If you take the cornerstone away, the whole arch will collapse in rubble. It is the cornerstone which holds everything together. The church's unity comes not from organization or ritual or liturgy or worship. Its unity comes from Christ. Folks, I really believe that. See, today I think one of the issues that faces the church is that we think everybody has to be like I am. Everyone has to like the things that I like. And so we think the unity of the church today is that I go to a church and all the music they do is the kind of music I like. Or all the programs they do are the programs that I like. Or all the ministries they have are ministries that minister to me. No, that is not the unity of the church. The cornerstone of the church is Christ Jesus. You see, He is the thing that holds it together, the cornerstone. He brings the unity to it. And I don't have to like everything that's done. It doesn't matter as long as Jesus is the cornerstone. The Bible says He is the cornerstone. He is a precious stone. Peter wrote, Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone. Barclay wrote, Once again, the early Christian writers took this passage and applied it to Jesus Christ as the precious and immovable foundation stone of God. So as Zechariah now is looking forward, what does he see? He sees the Messiah. He sees him as the branch. Small beginning became a great tree. He sees him as the cornerstone that holds everything together. Then he saw him as the king. In Zechariah chapter 9, verse number 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey. So as he saw Jesus by vision, he saw him as the king. And he says that as the king, he is righteous and just. He is powerful. Matthew Henry wrote, he is a powerful protector to all those that bear faith and true allegiance to him. So he is the king. He is just and righteous. He is powerful, and yet he is humble. He said he is humble and mounted on a donkey. Isaiah wrote, he has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. So as Zechariah looks ahead, then he sees the Messiah. He sees the branch. He sees the stone. He sees the king. And then he sees him as the sacrifice for our sins. 
In Zechariah chapter 11, verse number 12, he wrote, So they weighed out 30 shekels of silver as my wages. You recognize that, don't you? He weighed out 30 shekels of silver. That was the price of his betrayal. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 15, Judas asked, What are you willing to give me to deliver him up to you? And they weighed out to him 30 pieces of silver, and he betrayed Jesus. Then as Zechariah looks ahead, he also sees him as the shepherd caring for his sheep. In Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man my associate. Matthew Henry wrote, He is the shepherd that was to lay down his life for the sheep. It is not the sword of war that receives this charge that he may die in the bed of honor, but the sword of justice that he may die as a criminal upon an ignominious tree. Revelation 13:8 says, And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, the beast. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of the life of the Lamb who has been slain. You see, folks, when Zechariah looked into the future, he saw the Messiah. He saw him as the sacrifice who died for us. He saw him as the shepherd who sustains us. So there are the visions of the Messiah, but then a vision of encouragement. Now look at verse number 8 in chapter 1. I saw at night, and behold, a man was riding on a red horse, and he was standing among the middle myrtle trees, which were in the ravine, with red sorrel and white horses behind him. Then I said, My Lord, what are these? And the angel who was speaking with me said to me, I will show you what these are. And the man who was standing among the myrtle trees answered and said, These are those whom the Lord has sent to patrol the earth. So they answered the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees and said, We have patrolled the earth, and behold, all the earth is peaceful and quiet. Matthew Henry wrote, This man is no other than the man Christ Jesus, the same that appeared to Joshua with his sword drawn in his hand as captain of the host of the Lord, and to John with his bow and crown. So when you see the rider in the myrtle trees, it is a picture of Jesus saying to his people, you are not forgotten. I'm here. As I, as I looked at that and I thought about it, you remember, and some of you might be there now, when your children were very small and they rode the bus to school and you would take them down and let them out of the, at the bus stop and then you stand back and watch them to make sure that they're on. That's what I see here. Jesus is in the myrtle trees looking at his people, making sure that they are secure, making sure that they have not been forgotten. And then look at verse number 18. Then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, there were four horns. Now, the horns, and I'm not going to go into their, uh, to their identity because I'm already running out of time, but the horns here are the enemies of Israel. You have the enemies of Israel here who want to scatter Israel, verse 19. So I said to the angel who was speaking with me, what are these? And he answered me, these are the horns which have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. Matthew Henry wrote, they have tossed them as furious bulls with their horns tossed that which they are enraged at. So here's what you see are the enemies of Israel who want to scatter Israel. Things have not changed, have they? 
We still see that today. There, there are those who want to scatter Israel, drive them into the sea. They have no right to land. They have no right to home. They have no rights. Scatter them. Drive them into the sea. That is exactly what you see back here in Zechariah. But look at verse 20. Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen. And I said, what are these coming to do? And he said, these are the horns which have scattered Judah, so that no man lifts up his head. But these craftsmen have come to terrify them to throw down the horns of the nations who have lifted up their horns against the land of Judah in order to scatter it. Folks, what you see there is a picture that God protects His people. You cannot explain to me the existence of Israel today apart from God's divine provision. God protects His people. Now, that is an encouragement to me because God also protects His people, Christians. He has said that the gates of hell will not prevail against His church. We might come under attack today. The world might be hostile to us today. But I want you to know that God is still on His throne and God still protects His children. And that is exactly what you see in this passage of Scripture. And then we see Joshua in chapter 3, 1. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. Joshua, the high priest. Joshua led the people of Israel into the promised land after the death of Moses. Joshua and Jesus are the same name. And Jesus provides for us, for those who put their faith in Him, He provides salvation for them. So they're the visions of the future. Zechariah had visions of the Messiah, and he had visions to encourage them. And thirdly, there is the Messiah's return. Zechariah saw the end of time and the return of Christ. He saw the great tribulation. Israel is surrounded. Zechariah chapter 12, verse number 3. And all the nations of the earth will be gathered against it. Speaking of Israel. The nations of the earth will be gathered against it. Now, have you looked at Israel on a map recently? You look to the north, there is Lebanon that is controlled by Hezbollah that has already gone to war recently with Israel. And then down to the northeast, there is Syria, another enemy of Israel. And then you look down to the south of Syria and there is Jordan. Not sure. And then you go around to the west and there is Egypt. And the primary political influence in Egypt now is the Muslim Brotherhood, who has already talked about breaking the treaty that has been made with Israel. And then you see the Gaza Strip that is controlled by Hamas, that has shot thousands of rockets into Israel. So when I look at Israel today, now think of this in context of the end of time and what Zechariah is prophesying here. The nations that have come against it, you look and you see up to the north, there is Lebanon, there is Syria, there is Jordan, there is Egypt, and there is the Gaza Strip. Folks, they are absolutely surrounded today by enemy, and the nations will attack them. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 2, the city, speaking of Jerusalem, will be captured, the houses plundered, the women ravished, and half of the city exiled. 
Now, all of this precedes or introduces Armageddon. You can go through and read this, but it precedes and introduces Armageddon. Now, you know what happens at the last time. The church is going to be raptured. Now, I believe for seven years. Some believe for three and a half years. So, so however it works out, it's fine. But the church is going to be raptured. I do not believe that the church is going to go through the tribulation, period. And you might believe that it is, and that's fine. You can stay here and do that, but I'm, I'm wanting to leave. <laughs> the church is going to be raptured. There is a seven-year period there. At the end of that seven years, then Jesus is going to come back to the battle of Armageddon. And Zechariah prophesied that in chapter 14, verse 3. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. The Lord is going to revenge his people. Now that is the warrior king who comes back. When he left, he was the, he was the lamb. When he comes back, he's coming as the lion. And he is going to avenge his people. And that's what Zechariah saw. And after the battle of Armageddon, then he is going to establish his kingdom on earth. And Zechariah saw that in chapter 14, verses 8 and 9. And it will come about in that day that living waters will flow out of Jerusalem, half of them toward the eastern sea and the other half toward the western sea. It will be in summer as well as in winter. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. In that day, the Lord will be the only one, and his name, the only one. Warren Wearsby wrote, God will open his gracious fountain and cleanse them of their sins. I believe that the Lord is going to establish an earthly kingdom. That may or may not be your eschatology, but that is what I believe. And that he is going to reign for a thousand years. And on earth, we are going to see what God intended it to be. He is going to reign. Oh, what a glorious time that is going to be when the Lord comes and establishes his kingdom. So, as I conclude, Zechariah begins with a call to repentance, saying to the people, Don't be like your fathers who ignored the word of God, who ignored the instruction of God. Don't be like them. But he said, return to me. Folks, that's a good message for us today. Return to the Lord. If you're away from the Lord, return to the Lord. And then he had visions of the future. God had promised a Messiah. And Zechariah looked into the future and saw the fulfillment when he saw the branch. He saw the stone. He saw the sacrifice. He saw the king. He saw the shepherd. But he saw the coming of Christ. And the Bible says that Jesus is coming again, and Zechariah saw that. And when he comes, he is going to establish his kingdom upon this earth. But my question to you today is, do you know him? Do you know Jesus? You see, you might say, well, I, you know, I'm a Baptist, or I'm a good person, or a religious person. That really is not the question at all. The question is, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That is the question. And the instruction from Zechariah is, return to me, says the Lord, that I may return to you. Do you know Jesus? Our gracious Father, we come to a time of 
examination as your Holy Spirit examines our hearts. Father, we come to a time of invitation as we extend your invitation to these. Lord, I just pray for those who do not know you. Lord, it looks to me as if we are getting awfully close to the time when this is going to be fulfilled. And I pray, Father, for every person that they might consider seriously their relationship to you. And if they've never been saved, I pray they would today. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a moment, we're going to stand and the choir's going to sing a hymn of invitation. But folks, I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet, and I work for a non-profit organization. But I believe, as I see what the prophet saw, and I see what's happening in our world today, I think the coming of Jesus is so very near. I don't know. But boy, it looks like that to me. As we're seeing the, the, the revival of all these nations that Zechariah talked about, we see them as they already have surrounded Israel. It looks to me like everything is coming together for the Lord's return. Are you ready for that? If you're not, I pray that you will be today. Stand with me, please, as we stand and the choir sings. If you're willing to commit your life to Christ, then you come today and tell one of the staff members, our doors are open to you if you'd like to join our church.